Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 410, continuing on with our podcasting in 2022 miniseries. Today, we're going to focus on the tech, which is something that you'll notice if you've been listening to this series. I've waited till towards the tail end of this miniseries to talk about because I think there's so many steps that should come beforehand. So just to recap, and for those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. What I'm doing is I'm doing a mini-series to conclude this season talking about podcasting in 2022. So if you're just tuning in, I recommend you actually go back and start with 405, and that's where I talk about starting your podcast journey with the exit, planning out your show, mapping it out from beginning, middle to end. In episode 406, I talk about picking a topic and setting a goal and result. And I talk about this practice as a way to anchor your podcast. It will also help you stay on top and motivated to create the content on a weekly or bi-weekly or scheduled basis. 407, I go more into refining your topic, choosing a format, and the importance of practicing. Practice is a big component of this so that you can craft a style. And that's what I talk about in 408 is really finding your podcast style. And I do recommend the practice component is really important for both solo podcasts, but also for interview podcasts. For many of you, if you're doing an interview podcast and you're not used to that sort of format, it really pays to do some practice. And again, I talk about developing your style, gaining confidence with doing this and setting the right expectations. And then last week, I had a guest on, Rich Perry, who's been podcasting for a while. He's also got a broadcasting background from his college days. It was great to have him on the show to talk about his perspective, but he gave some great tips on getting started, setting goals, finding a good format, gaining confidence. And we talked a little bit about the tech, which I'm gonna dive more into today. So that leads us to today's episode, but again, you've got a number of different episodes. Also, I did a whole series on podcasting in 2019. Some of those episodes are still relevant, and I I will call back to some of them. And in the write-up for today's episode, you can find all the write-ups at bemovingforward.com. I will have for today's episode links to episodes from the past that you may want to refer to because I'm not going to be able to sum up all of the tech in one episode. And my goal with this mini series is not to get into the weeds so much of all the technical aspects, but to just give you a general overview and a roadmap that you can follow. A lot of this you're going to supplement with your own research. And I do recommend do your own research. There's a lot of great resources out there on YouTube, just on the general web, additional podcasts, uh, as well as this mini series that will help you on your podcast journey. All right. So Starting out with the tech, I'm going to remind you before you get into the tech, and I've coached people on podcasting, and everyone is so anxious to talk about the tech. What kind of mic do I need? What software do I need? How do I edit episodes before they even plan out the podcast? And this is one of the reasons why I waited till now to talk about the tech, because I really think the prior steps that we covered in 405 through 409 are far more important than jumping into getting the right microphone or picking the right tech. Really planning out the podcast, mapping it out, finding your format, your style, what is your goal and result with doing this. And the whole point of this is that 
there's twofold. Number one, you want to develop your show. You want to have a really clear idea of what it is you want to get out of this podcast. Why are you doing this? So the big why question should be prevalent throughout every time you sit down to plan out an episode and record one. Secondly, this whole process that we've been going through over the last couple of weeks is what I call due diligence. Part of this is figuring out, do I really want to do this? Is podcasting the right format or medium for me? And you may find as you're planning this out, you may find that, you know what? Podcasting is not quite what I thought it would be. Maybe you got to the planning stage, you practiced a couple of uh, test episodes, and you realize, I'm not sure this is the right medium for me. And that's perfectly fine. You may find that your material, your goal, your format, your topic is better suited for something like writing, maybe doing a blog, or maybe you prefer being in front of a camera and launching a YouTube channel is a much better fit for you. And that's part of this. Before you buy this equipment, you want to figure out, is this the right thing for me? Am I at least going to stick with it from beginning to middle to end for the show that I have planned out? And as I've talked about Your show may be a short-term program. It may only be 10 episodes, 20 episodes. If you've gone through the steps and really looked at your topic, really looked at what you're trying to get out of this, your show should have a definitive beginning, middle, and end, a roadmap, and an exit that you're going to stick with. So let's talk a little bit about the tech, but again, I want to emphasize go through the steps that I've outlined first, or at least some sort of planning process. Get the idea out, the big picture of what your podcast is going to be before you start looking at technology. So when it comes to the tech, and the reason why I can't really sum this up in one episode or even a series of episodes is because the technology can range from really stupidly simple to extremely sophisticated. And there are podcasters out there that fit the different range. I mean, there's a variety of podcasters out there. Some are very, very simple. There are podcasts out there where people are simply recording it off of their phone using their earbuds and nothing more. And that's a very, very simple way of doing podcasting. There are others who use very sophisticated equipment, the type of equipment you might find in a radio station, such as sound mixers and soundboards and uh, auxiliary connected microphones and multi-microphones and soundproof studios. So it really can range between very simple, very inexpensive to very, very sophisticated and much more expensive. When it comes to what I do, I fall very much in the middle, trending more towards simple. My setup since episode one to episode 410 has pretty much been the same. I use my MacBook, which is now uh, several years old. It's It's by no means a new MacBook. I think it's a 2013 model Pro. Still works great. I keep it in, in really good condition. I use a decent mic. It's not the best. It's not the most expensive, but it is a workhorse and it provides decent enough sound quality for what I want to do. And occasionally I will do video. So if you've watched last week's episode with Rich Perry and I say watched because on Spotify, the a lot of the interviews that I do with guests 
are recorded on video and the video option is available to watch on the Spotify app. I'll use the, uh, I'll, I do have a, a camera that, uh, that I can attach to my MacBook, but for the most part, I just use the, the built-in ca- uh, FaceTime camera because it's actually decent enough quality for what I need for video interviews. So I keep my tech very, very simple. Uh, and so if you're following my lead, then your tech is going to be fairly, fairly simple, nuts and bolts. But if you want to go more sophisticated, that's entirely up to you. I'm going to recommend starting out, start simple. And then if you find that you're going to stick with this or that you gain a lot of traction or that you really love podcasting, invest more later on. Start very simple and then build up from there. Because this is something that can be, podcasting can be either very, very inexpensive or it can be super expensive depending on how much you invest into it. And just because a podcast doesn't use a lot of fancy equipment does not mean it's not going to be successful or that you're not going to get listeners. So don't feel like you have to spend a ton of money on a whole lot of equipment and a whole lot of uh, software, expensive software and stuff like that. Podcasting can be done on a variety of budgets. And for most of you starting out, you're not even sure how long you're going to stick with this. And if your show is going to be short-term, maybe 10 episodes, you're just trying this out, you may not want to invest a ton of money in equipment that you're not going to use long-term. If you find that you really love this and you're going to stick with it and maybe launch a couple of other shows, then it might be time to consider upgrading your equipment. But I always recommend, and I say this to everyone, start very, very simple. If you want to start with simply using your earbuds, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. The sound quality may not be the best, but I've listened to some podcasts that have kept me captivated, even though I knew that the sound quality was pretty choppy because I could tell it wasn't being recorded on on a high-grade mic or anything. But when it came down to it, it was the content that kept me captivated. And I know that's a very controversial statement. There are some podcasters that are very, very picky about their sound quality. And, and I respect that. That's perfectly fine. But I think you can have a wide range. I mean, just explore the different podcasts out there. You will hear a wide range in sound quality. And my goal with this series is to share with you what I do to get decent sound quality. It's not radio perfect, but I don't think it has to be. For what I'm conveying and communicating, my goal is to present it to you in decent enough sound quality so that you can have an enjoyable listening experience. And I think you can do that on a fairly modest or middle budget. Okay, so just know that the technology can range. And this is where I think people can get really overwhelmed and tripped up. And this is why I save the tech for now as opposed to starting it out because you can get totally overwhelmed in researching the different types of podcast setups and technology. In fact, you will see, I mean, there are services out there that will advertise podcasting studios to you because it can get so overwhelming. But my goal here is to keep this very, very simple. So, Let's start with something that Rich and I talked about on last week's episode. We touched on it, and I do cover this in the podcasting mini-series from 2019, so I'll have those episodes linked in the write-up, is hosting. 
What exactly do I mean by hosting? So when you create a podcast episode, you're recording a file. It's a type of file. It's either going to be an audio file or it's going to be a video file, as in the case of um, some of the video interviews that I've done this season. And those files take up space and they need to be stored somewhere. So what you want to think about is a third-party hosting service. That's where you can upload your episodes and these hosting services will then do what's called syndicate those episodes. So if you think about podcasting, most of you are probably listening to your podcasts from either Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. There's so many different ones out there, iHeart. And there's a source from which those services are drawing the podcast from. And so a hosting service, think of it as a central hub in which you're uploading your files and then syndicating your podcast out to the, all those different channels. Now, some of those syndication services offer hosting. So uh, I, I know that I think uh, iHeart, not, maybe not iHeart, maybe iHeart, I think um, SoundCloud, SoundCloud was the one I was thinking of. They actually offer hosting as well as syndication. So you can syndicate your podcast to SoundCloud where you can host it on, you can do both. So some of these will actually offer both. Others like Apple actually don't do hosting. So you can't actually host the podcast files, as far as I know, on Apple, on uh, Apple Podcasts, but you can syndicate it to it. And in fact, it's one of the biggest syndicated channels. The majority of podcasts, I think, are still listened to off of Apple, although I think uh, other services like Spotify have really started to, to become competitive. So hosting, you need a place to host your files. One way you could do this, which I don't recommend, is if you already have a hosting plan, maybe for your website, and let's say you have a hosting plan that happens to have unlimited storage, you could theoretically upload the files onto your hosting service and syndicate it yourself. I don't recommend that for two reasons. Number one, it's really complicated uh, and it's fairly technical. Number two, it's going to slow down your website. If you have your if you have a dedicated website for your podcast and you're hosting the files for your podcast and then syndicating it. First of all, syndicating it is going to be kind of complicated, but it's going to also slow down your website quite a bit. So, especially if your podcast starts to pick up traction. I recommend keep it easy and use a third-party hosting service. Now, something that Rich said last week, which I want to echo today, do your research. There's so many different hosting services out there. So um, as I've talked about on prior episodes, for the first 300 plus episodes, I actually used a, a service called Libsyn, which I've talked about in the past. Great service. I actually had uh, really zero complaints with them. I launched Moving Forward on Libsyn. Libsyn is one of the oldest hosting services. They're not sponsoring this episode. I, I actually don't have an affiliate uh, anymore with them because I'm no longer hosted on Libsyn, but I will objectively say they were a very decent service. And Libsyn, the way it works is that you choose a hosting plan. Now, the hosting plan for Libsyn was determined by file amount. You got an allowance of megabytes per month. And the bare minimum plan is $5 a month. And then I think it, it goes up from there. And what I actually discovered was that 
in the beginning, in the early seasons of Moving Forward, when I was doing a lot of interviews, I would record maybe two to three months of interviews ahead of time. And I would typically spend anywhere between 15 to $20 a month on my uh, Libsyn hosting. So that was what it cost uh, back when I launched this podcast. Over the last couple of years, I downgraded to the $5 a month plan, which was very basic. And I actually found that it suited most of my needs. So that's about the budget that I was spending on my podcast, anywhere between 5 to $20 over those first 300 episodes. Now, for those of you who've been following my show for a while, you'll know that over the summer I took a break because I actually migrated my podcast over to Anchor. And some of you may have heard of Anchor. I've talked about it on prior episodes. Now, Anchor was a third-party service that was acquired by Spotify, I think about a year or two ago. And Anchor offers free hosting. So now my podcast is hosted on Anchor. I migrated that over uh, the summer. That was a, a process for me because not only did I have to migrate the content from my old uh, host service provider to anchor, but I took the time to go back and update my website because I have the podcast player embedded. So I wanted to make sure all of that content was cleaned up and it actually gave me, uh, basically an excuse to do a lot of overdue spring, uh, spring cleaning, if you will. I had to go back. I went back on some old episodes, cleaned those up, cleaned up the website. And so, uh, the actual migration itself wasn't that complicated, but because I switched host providers, uh, it gave me a pause and a reason to go back and clean up a whole lot of other things. The thing to know is that Anchor is free. It is owned by Spotify. Uh, And so far, I will say, uh, since I've been on uh, Anchor since the late 300s into episode, into the 400s, it's been great. I, I've actually uh, enjoyed the host uh, service quite a bit. I will talk about some of the differences and advantages, but I will echo what Rich said. Do your homework because there are a wide variety of hosting plans out there. Rich, who was on a different host provider for many years, was actually spending quite a bit of money. So for him to uh, migrate his podcast over to Anchor, saved them a lot of money. So what you want to look at are a couple of things, one of which is both your short-term and long-term costs, because there are short and long-term costs uh, that go with picking a host service provider. The short-term is obviously what you're paying per month or per cycle to host your podcast. And in the case of a service like Lipson, it may vary because as I mentioned, the bare minimum is $5, but it can go much higher depending on what your file service needs are. On a service like Anchor, I can create episodes that are short. I can create episodes that are long. I can upload them, and I don't have to pay for the uh, storage costs. Now, a question that I've been asked, uh, in fact, most recently with, with someone I coached who is just launching their podcast is, so what's the catch? It's free. Well, again, do your research on that as well. Currently, it's free. Is it going to be free forever? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I know that you know Spotify has invested a lot into podcasting. They seem to be 
very supportive of podcasters right now. And there are a lot of podcasts that, um, that are sponsored by Spotify. Uh, this is beyond the scope of this series. All I can say is that currently anchor as I'm recording this series in 2022, anchor provides free hosting for podcasters. Now, are there technical differences between getting your podcast hosted on Anchor as opposed to a paid service like Libsyn? Yes. Am I going to get into those differences? No, because for most of you just starting out, it's not really a, a difference that's going to make much of an impact on your decision, in my opinion. Now, there are podcasters out there, and go ahead and, and research them, who really get into the differences between a free hosting service like Anchor versus a paid hosting services. And it gets into very technical differences. Those differences don't really make much of a difference to me. And I don't think they're going to matter that much to you. But I do encourage you do your research. The one thing I will say is this, no matter where you host your podcast, whether it's Anchor, Libsyn, or elsewhere, you can always change host service providers. That's something I want to impress upon you. Every host service provider allows you, and there's a process for this, to move from one to the other. Now, I can't promise it's going to be easy. Uh, I had a very easy time, and Libsyn, to their credit, made it very easy for me to migrate to Anchor because there is a process involved in moving from one uh, service to another. Rich, he had a little more of a complicated process, and I'm not going to name the name of his host service provider, and he didn't uh, when he talked a little bit about it last week, but his was a little more complicated. The bottom line, though, is that we were both able to migrate our podcasts over to Anchor. So you can move. You can always move. So if you're starting out on Anchor, you may find later on your needs change, and, and you may find that a paid service is better suited to your needs, so you can always migrate over. For most of you starting out, I think Anchor is a great, and they're not sponsoring this podcast. However, I can say having tried out two hosting services over my podcasting career or life so far, I, I really like Anchor. I love having the flexibility of being able to create episodes that are short, that are long, having them hosted for, for no cost, at least at currently, uh, is a real Plus, the other thing that factored into my decision is that I will be ending moving forward. I have an exit that's, that this show is going to end at episode 500. And so having those episodes preserved on a service like Anchor was very appealing to me. So uh, I knew about a year or two ago that I was eventually going to move over to Anchor. In fact, my original plan I can share with you was that I was going to migrate to Anchor towards the end run of this podcast, but but since I got into a conversation with Rich last spring, I actually made the decision to migrate earlier, and I can say that I'm very happy that I did because now I'm using a lot of the tools that Anchor provides, and I have really enjoyed the service, and I've been very happy with them. So uh, right now, I'm very happy with Anchor. Uh, and I plan to stay with them through the end run of this podcast. And once this podcast concludes, those episodes will be there uh, and available for people to listen to, to go back to, to discover, et cetera. 
if I launch another podcast, I'm most likely going to stick with Anchor. So, um, you know, as long as Anchor provides the level of service they have been, I'm going to stick with them. However, I encourage you, there are many great hosting plans out there, hosting services out there. Do your research and look at what they offer, look at your budget, and take those things into consideration. And when I say budget, consider that you may be taking breaks. So let's say you pay for a hosting service. If it's variable, you're going to want to take that into account so that if you do take a break, you're going to want to downgrade. Let's say you're on Libsyn and you're paying 20 30 whatever the, the more expensive plan is during your season run, but then you conclude the season and you take maybe a three-month break before your next season. At During those off-peak months or those off months, you may want to downgrade your plan to just maintain it because you still have to pay for that hosting plan even when you're not recording episodes. And then you can upgrade them later. Some hosting plans are kind of an all-you-can-eat. You pay X number of dollars and, and you get unlimited hosting. So really look at the differences. There's so many different plans out there. It's almost like picking a cell phone service where you've got so many different plans you're going to want to compare. And I know it can get a little overwhelming. So that's why I recommend for most of you starting out, Anchor is not a bad option because it is free. And so you won't have to think about that. The other thing to take into consideration is that with certain hosting plans, there is some storage math involved. So for example, when uh, I, I started out on, on Libsyn, it was, it was, I was paying for plans that gave me an allowance and they still have that system set up. Uh, however, I will say towards uh, my end with Libsyn, they really, really did some major updates to the interface. The interface was overhauled and they gave you a lot more storage. So the $5 plan originally uh, only allowed about 50 megabytes a month, which translates roughly to 50 minutes a month. And for the podcast that I was doing, that was perfectly fine. But uh, recently they upgraded it, so it's a lot more megabytes. It's a lot more. So if you're doing, let's say, um, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a week, the 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 five dollar plan on Libsyn actually gives you a lot. I think you could probably stretch that out to two months if you need to, or you can you can um, export your files to a higher quality. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. I don't want to bog you down with too much, but needless to say, hosting is really important. Now, what are some of the things that I really like about Anchor? In addition to being a free service, so I don't really have to mess with the storage math. It supports video. In fact, when I migrated over, that was something that was fairly new. And that was huge. It wasn't a factor when I migrated over. It was definitely, though, a huge bonus for switching to Anchor. So what do I mean by that? So since Anchor is owned by Spotify, Spotify actually supports a lot of video. And so when I record episodes in video, and if you decide you want to do your episodes in video, whether it's a solo or interview podcast, you can upload the video files and the video can be viewed on the Spotify app or on, on Spotify itself. Um, so if you go back, if you actually are on Spotify and you check out episode 409, 
or some of the other interviews I've done this year, you will see that the majority of them are interview ba- uh, video based and you can watch the video. It still streams out to Apple or Stitcher or Google, the audio version of that, because some of the syndicated platforms don't support video, but they still get the audio version of it. So that's one of the things that was a huge bonus for me. Video files tend to be fairly big. So the fact that the hosting is free is a big plus and the option of having video was great because prior to this, uh, when I was doing the writing series, uh, I had to upload the video separately and I was using Facebook to do that because I didn't want to launch a YouTube channel. It was a whole, really a lot of hoops to jump through and it was a bit of a headache. But with the switch to Anchor, I could release those video episodes natively. And as I mentioned, if you're on Spotify, you can watch the video uh, interview. So when I interview guests, I typically now give them the option of doing video. So far, the majority of guests have opted for that that I've interviewed this year. Uh, I have a couple of past episodes that were on video. So I was able to update those files. So that was a big uh, consideration for me. So if you're doing a video-based podcast, This is a great option. Outside of that, other host services may offer this. So do look into that. Uh, I I don't know which ones do and which ones don't. Uh, I will say on the flip side, one thing that Libsyn had, which was nice, was that I could syndicate the episodes to a YouTube channel if I wanted to, and not all the host service providers can do that. However, This was the audio version of the podcast that was syndicating to YouTube. So it would typically just show the podcast logo as a graphic. I don't know, uh, and and they may or they may not. I'm not up on this. They may support video, but do look into that if that is important to you. So that's a big plus of uh, being on Anchor is that I have that option and that flexibility. The other thing I really like about Anchor which I didn't have before, is that I could create modules for my podcast. And what do I mean by modules? Different pieces. So if you listen to these episodes, especially the more recent ones, you'll know that I I run uh, ad spots for my book, The Poshmark Guide. And over the last month or two, since we're in the holiday season, I've been running ads for the podcast. the corporate cliches uh, coloring book, which tends to be a popular uh, holiday gift. And what's cool is that on Anchor, I can create different segments. So like the ads that I run are different segments that I have stored in my Anchor library, and I can populate those on episodes. So I can actually populate them, I can move them, I can remove them, I can replace them. So I love that ability. Before, I really couldn't do that on my old host service provider. Maybe there's a way to do it, and I just wasn't aware of it. But if I wanted to run an ad spot, I had to actually it just include that as part of the file that I uploaded. So having the modular pieces of the episodes actually it gives you a lot more flexibility if you're doing ad spots. Also, especially if you do get sponsors, if you're happen if you're fortunate enough to get. Uh, sponsors for your podcast and you're doing ads for them. The fact that you can swap them out just makes it that much easier. And also you can be current, you can replace ads and things like that. Uh, Another thing that I really liked about Anchor, at least from my experience, is that it was very 
easy to migrate. So if you have, let's say, for those of you who already have a podcast, maybe you've recorded uh, 12 episodes and you haven't touched it in a while and you're still paying for that host service provider, you can migrate your podcast to Anchor and preserve it. So I know a couple of podcasters who have had shows, they've run their show, they're no longer producing episodes where the show is concluded, but they're still paying for their host service provider. What's nice is that Anchor is a way that you can park your podcast or preserve your podcast without having to pay those continual fees because hosting is an ongoing cost if you're paying for a hosting service. And that includes when you conclude your podcast. And remember, I talked about the exit in 405. So that's something you may want to consider is that if you want your podcast to be preserved for the long term, switching to a service like Anchor where a free service maybe to your benefit for preserving the podcast without incurring those uh, costs over the long haul. Or it may be worth it for you if you decide, you know, in your research, you find that a, a host service provider, a paid one is worth it. Again, you know, you it may be worth it for you to continue to pay those fees. Consider your budget, consider your resources, consider your needs and what the host service provider offers. So again, you know, I recommend record those. I mean, like do your research. Rich said that on 409. I'm repeating it today. Even though I've had experiences and I, I've shared my experiences with both a paid service and with Anchor, I still recommend, don't just take my word for it, do your research. There's so many host service providers. You may find one that works better for you. Most of these host service providers, by the way, do have free trials where they do have options where you can try out their service so that you can try them out before making a firm decision. So shop around and reach out to them. One of the things that I did was I actually emailed Anchor Customer Service because one of the concerns I had was how complicated would it be for me to migrate my podcast? Because I had over 300 episodes of content built up over six or seven years. And I was really all the demos I'd seen on online were for podcasters that only had maybe five or 10 or 20 episodes. I was concerned whether or not it would be a cumbersome process to migrate uh, a huge library over. And the, I have to say, I was, I was really impressed with anchor customer service. Uh, they were responsive. They answered my questions. And I will say that the migration process itself was actually very easy. Migrating my podcast from, uh, Libsyn over to Anchor was a very easy process. And I have to give compliments both to Anchor and to Libsyn. They both made it a very easy process. As I mentioned, <laughs> Rich had a little bit of a tougher time doing that. Uh, and it, it, a lot of that will depend on your existing host service providers. But I think for the most part, uh, it, it's a fairly straightforward process. And uh, again, my compliments to Anchor Customer Service, also to Libsyn Customer Service. They really made the process as easy and as painless as possible. All right. Uh, another thing I like about Anchor is that uh, you can schedule episodes ahead of time. In fact, I had a mistake on the prior miniseries where I said the downside of Anchor was that you couldn't schedule episodes ahead of time. Uh, that was either an error on my part or maybe it was a feature that didn't exist. Either way, you can schedule episodes ahead of time. So I typically record my episodes uh, a couple of days to a full week in advance and then I uh, upload them and then schedule them out 
uh, to release on Thursdays at 6 a.m. So, yes, you pretty much have most of the bells and whistles that you're going to find on most existing um, podcast hosting platforms. And syndicating it was very easy. Syndicating my podcast to the major platforms. Now, for me, it was a matter of switching over my RSS feed from one to the other. So it was basically updating from one host service provider to the other. That was fairly painless. And then Anchor made it very easy for me to syndicate it to some other new channels that I had not had my podcast on before. So do your research on that. But Anchor uh, for new podcasters actually makes it very easy to get your podcast on Apple, obviously Spotify because they're owned by them, but they have a lot of different ones. And for the ones that are not on their menu, you can still syndicate your podcast for like things like iHeart. It's a little bit more of a technical process, uh, but you can you can research that. And it's just basically there are ways to do that. You can also email Anchor customer service. They can they can guide you on things like that. All right, let's talk about equipment. But again, hosting. There's a lot more on hosting. My bottom line is do your research on it. But I think for a lot of podcasters starting out, Anchor is a great option. And I also refer you back to the 2019 series. I do have an episode where I go into host service providers where I talk more about uh, the benefits of Libsyn. So if you're curious about Libsyn, and I think I did update those episodes to let listeners know that I migrated over to Anchor. All right, equipment. This is where... (laughs) There's a whole range of opinions on this. Some podcasters will say you need a lot of equipment. Uh, you need to go with sound mixers, sound boards. You need to have uh, the type of microphone that's actually, I think, like an auxiliary port and blah, 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 blah. Others will say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Just use whatever you have at hand. I fall kind of like in the middle trending towards the simple. So what I use is a very standard, straightforward USB mic, meaning it connects right into my computer. And then I turn the switch on, I hit record and I speak into it. And that's what I've been using since day one. I find that it's great. Is it the best quality sound possible? No. But do I need it to be? No. In fact, this mic has been not only a great workhorse, but um, I've been able to use it for other projects like audiobooks or streaming video or uh, live streams and interviews, and the sound quality has been great. So I think decide, based off of your podcast planning, what kind of sound quality you want. And again, if you don't have a lot of money to spend or if you're on a very tight budget, Start with the equipment you have on hand. If you, if you just need to use earbuds just to get started, use that. Sound quality may not be perfect. It may not be great, but you're just starting out. And then later on, you can look at uh, upgrading your equipment. You can find so many different microphones out there. In fact, compared to when I started, it just seems like there are so many different options and there are a lot of budget-friendly options. If you if you hop onto Amazon and look up podcasting mics, there are so many out there. I will tell you which one I use. It's the ATR2100. It is actually no longer available. So there, they, they don't make this particular one anymore. 
it's it's kind of got a uh, kind of like a silver metallic uh, body, and then it's just a standard looking mic with a USB uh, cable. You can find probably used ones out there, maybe on eBay or secondhand on Amazon. But ATR is still in business, and they have an updated version. It's called the ATR twenty one hundred X. It's I, I guess the newer version of this. I haven't tried it out, but I've been very happy with ATR. So and ATR has a a ton of different podcasts. So different lines of podcasts. Look them up if you want. If you like the sound of this podcast, I use the ATR twenty one hundred. Again, that's no longer available, but the ATR twenty one hundred X is. I'll have an affiliate link to Amazon if you want to check that out. But do your research. There are a lot of other podcast mics out there, you know, and and they they range. I'm not going to cover them all just because there's so many out there. But do your homework, just like you would with a host service provider. Do your research on podcast mics. A couple things you might want to consider. One is a pop guard, and that's basically to cut down on sound artifacts. So like if what's called a pop or a sound chip, like sometimes when you talk, you may have some sound uh, artifacts that come out. A pop guard will help lower those or reduce those. And there are two types you can get. You can get a foam cover for your mic head, which is what I use. Or you can get an actual pop guard or sound guard, which is basically it looks like a a disc that connects to your microphone. And it's kind of an extra layer between you and the mic. Uh, or you can use both. And if you look at different podcasting kits out there, especially on Amazon, some of them will sell the pop guard with the mic as well as uh, a microphone arm or stand. So, And there are some that are out there that are really, really budget-friendly. So you do some research, uh, listen to some reviews. You might want to consider, if you're getting a mic for your podcast, you may want to consider a mic arm or a mic stand. I actually still use the one that came with my mic. It's not great. But uh, I'm just kind of a creature of habit, so I've just used this one. But I don't know that I recommend you use the one that came with the the ATR. I've heard the one with the ATR 2100X is, is, I've heard mixed things about it. The one that came with mine is fine. It's not awesome, but it it does the job. Uh, But if you need something that's a little bit more variable, where, where it has a little more flexibility, a lot of podcasters will use what's called a, it's like an arm. It, it attaches to your table. It, it looks like a crane with a joint and the, the mic just kind of um, floats in front of you. Those are great. I have not yet used one, but I know a lot of podcasters swear by them. I've been a guest, I think, on one that did use that and it was really, really comfortable. It was really great. That's more of a uh, what you will find in radio stations and studios. Uh, and a lot of podcasters swear by them, but do your homework. There are a lot of them that are out there, uh, and and I'm not an expert on, on the accoutrements, on all the different accessories, because I've basically been using the same thing since day one, uh, but uh, I you may want to look into that, and you can find them for, there are all kinds of different ones that, that uh, accommodate different budgets. So you may need just a, a very simple mic stand, which uh, just allows you to elevate it or raise it up and down. Or you might want something that's more like a mic arm, uh, as I was talking about, sort of that crane-looking thing. Just consider what the options are, uh, read the reviews, and also YouTube. There, there's so many 
podcasters doing product reviews, you can see which ones are out there. All right, we're going to talk about software, but generally speaking, I don't use the soundboard, sound mixer, or the the complicated mic. I use my MacBook. I use a USB mic, and right now I'm just talking into GarageBand. That's basically all I do. Uh, some of you may be much more picky about your sound, especially if you have a background in radio broadcasting, so you might want something more sophisticated. Consider your budget, your time, and what's important to you. If you're just starting out and you have no experience with broadcasting, you're probably going to want to keep it pretty simple. So I, I, I'm i not going to tell you what to buy or how much to spend. Just know that you can get started with something that's bare bones minimum, which would be nothing more than your earbuds or your, you know, your, your AirPods if you have those, or you can go all out and spend a lot of money. I'm going to recommend you probably want to start simple and invest over time as opposed to buying all. The one thing you don't want to do is spend a lot of money on equipment, find that you're not going to really enjoy podcasting, you're not going to get a lot of use out of this, and then all of a sudden that equipment is just collecting dust on your drawer. You really don't. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of not investing a lot of money or investing too much money until you know that this is something you're going to do. And I it I actually, it kind of reminds me of when I took golf lessons years ago. Uh, many, many years ago, I took golf lessons. And uh, with my dad, we, we thought it'd be a fun hobby to pick up. And so we started taking lessons at a range. And in the beginning, we didn't buy golf clubs. We just rented golf clubs uh, at the driving range. You know, it was a couple of bucks per session. And they weren't great. They were just kind of like these standard, like well-used, well, well-worn golf clubs. And then it wasn't until we started really getting into golf a little bit more a couple months later that we we bought our first pair of golf clubs and they, they weren't expensive. They were just kind of very basic standard golf clubs. So I recommend you, you approach podcasting the same way. We're any hobby the same way. Just start really modest, really dip the toe in the water. And then as you get into it, you stick with it. That's when you want to upgrade. I don't play golf anymore. By the way, those golf clubs are sitting in, a, in, in my dad's garage. So consider you don't want to have a lot of equipment that you're not going to use for the long term. If you do invest in the equipment, make sure you, you get a lot of use out of it. The other thing I will say before we, we cut to a break is when you invest in something like a mic, try to get as much use out of it as possible. If you're going to be interviewed for podcasts, or live streams, or anything else, or if you plan on doing audiobooks, these this equipment has a lot of versatility to it. So I use my my mic for so many different things outside of podcasting. So it's just like the return on that investment has been huge. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about software. Software. 
Hey, Moving Forward listeners, believe it or not, the holidays are right around the corner. So get the ball rolling and get your ducks in a row. The Corporate Clichés Coloring Book makes the perfect white elephant office party gift or surprise stocking stuffer for your favorite work-from-home colleague. It's available now on Amazon. You can also find quick links at bemovingforward.com and in the show notes for this episode. Let's celebrate the holidays with some low-hanging fruit and a bubbling glass of synergy. All right, continuing on with our look at podcasting technology, episode 410. So, software. Uh, I'm going to keep this simple. I'm going to share what I use, but there is a wide variety of options out there. So, again, as with anything else, do your research, just like with the equipment, just like with host service providers. Do your research because there's a lot of options out there. But if you want to keep it simple, Right now, I'm recording this episode and most of the episodes I do on GarageBand, which is a very, very, it, it's it's a great recording and editing suite. I mean, it does pretty much everything I need to do to create these episodes, and it's native on Mac. So if you're an Apple user, if you're a Mac user, you already have GarageBand installed. If you don't, you can go to Apple's website, download it for free. I love it. In fact, I don't even mess around with the settings. It's got all these crazy audio settings. I just use the very basic one and then uh, I record these episodes and then export the file. Um, I'll talk about adding music and frills a little bit later. Uh, If you're a PC user, a Windows user, or if you want an option that's uh, an alternative to GarageBand, Audacity is great. Audacity is freeware. Uh, you could just Google it and, and find different sites where you can download it. It's freeware uh, that is really powerful. It's very powerful. And uh, if you want something that's a very nice recording and editing suite, Audacity has a lot of great options. For It's available for PC and for Mac. I will tell you, for recording an audiobook, so uh, two years ago, I was the voiceover for my friend's audiobook. Uh, I am a professional metalhead, written by Angelo Spinello. I used Audacity. After experimenting with GarageBand for a bit, I actually found that with my particular mic, Audacity actually worked better for creating the sound files for an audiobook. That's a whole separate thing altogether. But uh, So I have used both, and they're both great. And again, they're both free. There are other options out there. There are some podcasters that I've talked to who really love Adobe. So if you're a big Adobe person, maybe you use Photoshop, you use uh, Illustrator. There's a suite. uh, Part of the suite, I think, has the option for audio. So I think it's called Adobe Audition. I I don't know if it's included with the standard package, but that's a subscription service. And a lot of podcasters, especially ones who are really professional podcasters, really swear by that one. I don't have any experience with it. I know it's a a paid service. And I think you basically record and store your files on the cloud. You can edit them as well. So if you're a big Adobe person, and maybe you already have a subscription to an Adobe suite, see if uh, 
uh, audition comes with it or if the audio software comes with it. So you may already have that if you're already subscribed to Adobe. I don't know. I'm not familiar with Adobe, but do know that that's a paid one. So if you want something that's a little more uh, professional with a lot of bells and whistles, uh, there are other options out there. And there are other options besides the ones that I've just named. Again, there's a whole range of them. You can do your research. But if you're looking for something just to get started for solo podcasts, GarageBand for Mac, Audacity for PC or Mac, those are great ones. And again, they're not going to cost you anything. Anchor, as it is, also has a native recording feature. So you download Anchor. If you download it to your your phone or if you're using the desktop version, you can actually record your audio files directly off of Anchor. I'm not a huge fan of doing this, uh, but for some of you, you may want everything all in one place, especially if you're doing your podcast off of your phone. Uh, I, I tend to prefer recording my files separately using GarageBand and then uploading to Anchor as a host service. But do know that uh, it does include a native recorder if you want to just record straight off of Anchor. Generally speaking, I like having my files separate, and I do recommend as a, a matter of practice, when you record your podcast files, whether you do solo or interview, and we'll talk about interviews in just a minute, do save a backup copy, whether it's on an external drive or on the cloud, so that you have a backup copy. I have a backup copy of every episode of Moving Forward from episode one through now. And that's that's something that I have just backed up. You know, you never know, just in case. And in fact, those backup files were very helpful because when I did migrate over to Anchor, one of the things I wanted to do was I ended up going back over the the entire library and updating some outdated information. And so... While the migration itself didn't take long, what did take some time was actually going back over my library and updating those files. I actually ended up updating a lot of and replacing a lot of the old files uh, just with some edited content. I wanted to make sure that information uh, that was on those old episodes was up to date. I I had to change a couple of things. So uh, it's always a good idea to have a backup of your files. That's why I recommend record them separately and then save them even though you're you're uploading them to a host service provider. All right, let's talk about interview podcasts. Skype, when I did interviews, was my go-to for the longest time, and it is still a great option. Uh, Skype, when I started, you had to actually purchase a third-party plugin to record interviews because there was no way to do that uh, in the early days. And so I purchased a third-party plugin called Ecamm, and that's what I used. It was very easy. It wasn't that expensive, and I think it it still exists, and um, I actually really liked it because the sound quality was great. Ecamm also came with a suite of tools so that I could do some very sophisticated things, like if I had a conversation, I could separate them into two separate files, and then if I needed to edit, let's say there was a sound artifact on one side of the conversation, I could edit that out without interrupting the other side. So Ecamm, that was uh, kind of the setup back then. I had to, I did Skype and then I used, uh, I bought a third-party plugin. 
Nowadays, and as of a couple of years ago, Skype has a native recording option for both audio and video. So you don't have to mess with any third-party plugins. You just do a Skype call and uh, you can record those calls. They're very, very easy. So it's just like a button right on Skype. Now, the upside of Skype is that it's very easy to use, video, audio, and no time limit. I mean, it was great. The downside to Skype is that you've got to be on the Skype platform. Both parties really have to sign into Skype. So the the biggest issue I ran into is that most people have a Skype account, but they couldn't remember their login. So sometimes I would have to remind people to look up their Skype accounts and they would have to reset them or set up new ones. So that was a minor thing. But for the most part, Skype worked great and Skype was free. So Skype to Skype calls are free. Skype to phone interviews I did one or two of those. You you actually need Skype credits. So you either need a subscription or you need to purchase Skype credits if you're calling a phone uh, to do interviews. But for the most part, I just stuck with the Skype to Skype uh, interviews. And I had a couple of interviews that were video-based as well. So Skype is great. Uh, I still use it from time to time. You can natively record off of it, and then it'll just give you a file which you can download right into your desktop. Over the last couple of years, as we all know, Zoom has really taken prevalence when it comes to video conferencing. And I have found that Zoom is really easy to use when it comes to doing video interviews. In fact, I do more video interviews on Zoom than I do on Skype these days because it is so easy. Zoom is simply you set up an appointment you send it out, and the and the person doesn't need to have Zoom installed on their computer. I've got the Zoom software, but you can actually do Zoom right off of the uh, right off your browser. So it's not like Skype where you have to sign in. Zoom is great, and Zoom has a native recording option for both video and audio. The limitation on Zoom is that. Uh, the free version only gives you 40 minutes. So if you're doing interviews that are 40 minutes or under, it's fine. Uh, If you want to go longer, you need a pro option. Or if you're looking for a budget-friendly option that that gives you more time, Skype is a great one as well. So those are the two that I use for interviews. And nowadays, it's mostly Zoom. Just keep in mind, it's uh, I use the free version. It's 40 minutes. Um, And it's been great. I use Zoom for most of the video interviews I did this year. I did have one video interview in the writing series where we had a technical issue with Zoom on the guest's end, so we switched to Skype. So Skype was still a great option, uh, and and both work great for video. And, you you know, if you've been on Zoom, you're already familiar with it. But those are great options to use for interview podcasts, and that's basically all I use. Anchor does have a native interview uh, feature. So you can call someone on Anchor. They have to have the Anchor app. That's the downside. I think they have to have the Anchor app. They have to download it, set up an account. But you can do Anchor to Anchor calls and you can record right on the app. I don't recommend it. I've tried it before. I think the sound quality is is kind of a mixed bag. Uh, especially if you're just doing this off of your your mobile. But if you're in a pinch, it's an option as well. So all of these options are available. And what I recommend you do 
is as I talked about on prior episodes, especially if you're going to launch a, uh, an interview based podcast, make sure by the time you're here, you've already tried out some of these. You should have already tried out some options either on Skype, Zoom, or, you know, Anchor, if you're going to use Anchor uh, for interviews practice because that's a key component of crafting your style and your format. So you can try all of these out. You want to get used to doing that. A couple things about um, Zoom that you want to be careful with is where the file is exporting. So you can, in your settings, uh, I think it's defaulted to a Zoom folder on your computer. You may want to change that to your desktop or to a folder on your desktop and just kind of be a little careful with that. So I recommend experiment. Whatever platform you're going to use, make sure you're comfortable with it before you record your very first interview. And um, I, I will set a a best practice for all of you doing interview podcasts. I am happy to say out of 200 plus interviews I've done, I only had one mishap where I forgot to hit record. <laughs> and and Thankfully, I, I caught it, I think, within the first like five minutes. I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not actually recording. This is not recording, so I had to stop the guest. We had to start over. Fortunately, the guest was very, very forgiving and very, very accommodating. So we just started over, recorded it, and actually the second take turned out even better the, the, those first five minutes. But to make sure when you are doing interview podcasts, what I do is I have actually I have uh, my notes app opened up and I have a checklist and I go through that checklist. So I'm going to go through and I know we're getting a little bit outside of software, but uh, I'm going to share a couple of best practices when it comes to interviews. Number one, uh, make sure you, you schedule them. And nowadays it's very easy to do that with Zoom. You can you know, you can email with the guests, you can DM them, pick a time, make sure you're mindful of whether or not they're on Pacific time or Eastern time. And then Zoom will allow you to set up a, a calendar appointment. Uh, Skype also has some scheduling options, I think, as well, uh, where you can set up a chat room on Skype, which is basically just a dedicated room with you and whoever else is involved. And then uh, you can email them that and they can stick it on their calendar. Uh, you can use schedulers if you want. I mean, there are different ones that are op- out there that are both, some are free, some are paid. Uh, I used to use a scheduler, uh, but these days when I do interviews, it's mostly just email and then uh, setting up the Zoom calendar appointment, which I email to the guest. But I have a checklist. First thing I check, when I hop on an interview with someone, especially someone I haven't spoken to before, first thing I always make sure, I always make sure to ask the proper pronunciation of their name. Even if it's obvious, I will go over that and say, I want to make sure I have your name pronounced correctly. I say it and I make sure that the guest uh, acknowledges that that is the correct pronunciation or they correct me and I learn it before we start. You do not want to do that when you actually get on the interview. I, I, I just don't think that that's very professional. Make sure you cover that before you start the official interview. Number two, I have this actually on a notes app, the checklist. Make sure they're ready uh, and ask if they have any questions before you begin. And, you know, sometimes someone will have some questions about logistics, things like that. Uh, And then number three, hit record before you begin. And as a best practice, what I usually do is I give them, I say, I'm about to hit record. 
I'm going to do a three-second pause. So what I usually do is I do like a pause before I begin the actual interview. It just kind of gets me mentally prepared. So just keep like a checklist or some kind of reminder to hit the record button. And because it's one of those things where if you're doing an interview for the first time, you've got a lot of things going on in your mind. You have a lot of adrenaline running. So it's one of those things that could be very easy to forget. So that's one thing. You want to have something that's going to tell you hit the record button. And and I still do to this day, even though it's second nature now for me to hit record. Uh, I I just make sure I do that. If it's easier for you to just hit record as soon as the, you hop on that Zoom or Skype call, do that. But something, have some mechanism or rem- reminder that you're going to record. Now, in terms of interview etiquette, I'm going to save more of that for next week. I think that could be its own episode. Uh, and in fact, next week, we're going to be wrapping up the podcast miniseries. So I think I'll save that for next week. But in terms of interview podcasts, Skype, Zoom, Anchor, there are other options out there. Uh, you can explore them. But those are the three that are free that actually work fairly well. Anchor, I'm not as big a fan of. And especially if you want to do video, I don't know that Anchor does video. So if you want to do video interviews, Skype and Zoom, I think are great. So consider your format. If you're doing a solo podcast, I've covered platforms for that. If you're doing interview podcasts, especially if you're including video, I've covered options for that. By the way, the uh, Skype and Zoom, you can also just do audio. Uh, But keep in mind, video does take up more space. It's a much bigger file. Consider your format. Consider modules. Outline your episodes and consider if there are natural breakpoints. So I I include that now because I have a mid-episode break that I run typically for uh, a book that I'm promoting. So consider that in the format of your your show. You may have one or two breaks or you may have a pre-roll in which you have a, an advertisement or a clip of the episode to give a sneak peek, sneak peek of the episode. Uh, the exception is video. At least with Anchor, video can only take one file per episode. So you're going to have to just basically incorporate everything into one file, which you can do in the editing process if you have ads or promo spots, unless you're re- releasing it as multiple episodes. All right. We're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about editing. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, if you're interested in starting a side hustle, selling clothes from your closet, I've spent over four years helping my dad expand his brick-and-mortar business with Poshmark. In my book, The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses, I take you step-by-step with clear instructions, pictures, worksheets, and skill-building exercises to get you started. The book covers everything from taking great listing photos to creating videos that pop using nothing more than your smartphone. The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses is available in paperback and for Kindle. I've also created a companion workbook, the Poshmark Seller Journal for Individuals and Small Businesses. Both books are available on Amazon, where you can find quick links at bemovingforward.com and in the show notes for this episode. Start learning and moving forward today. Okay, when it comes to editing, as with everything else we've talked about, I'm only going to be able to scratch the surface because there's a whole school of thought. There's a whole lot of aspects that go into editing. First of all, approach this philosophically. 
A lot of this will depend on the type of podcast you're doing. So for the first 200 episodes of Moving Forward, they were very formalized interviews. And so I put a lot more time into editing. Editing as in making sure that the conversations sounded fairly polished, removing sound chips and ums and uhs and things like that. In retrospect, I probably spent too much time in editing, as in getting those episodes to sound perfect. It was a lot of work. I would say maybe it was maybe an hour to two hours for 30 to 40 minute episode, depending on how smoothly the interview went. Sometimes you'll have guests who are not accustomed to doing interviews and they may be a little uncomfortable and you want to present them in the best light possible. However, I'm going to say this. As I've done this more and more, I have let go of editing a lot. In the beginning, I edited these episodes and spent so much time getting them to, to perfection or near perfection that I, I started to burn out. This is why I think a lot of people burn out is because post-production, as we call it, in which you're preparing the episodes, oftentimes will take far more time than the actual planning and recording of the episode itself. And in fact, this is where I think a lot of people can get really stuck into a rabbit hole. Once you learn how to edit, and I'm only going to give you the basics on editing, it's one of those skills that you can pick up fairly quickly, but once you do, it's so easy to get caught up into it to the point where you're doing it too much. So how does editing work? I'm only going to give you the high level. I've got prior episodes where I go a little more into this, so I'll have them linked in the write-up. But generally speaking, when you create a file, whether it's an audio or video file, you're going to review it in a platform, a suite, an editing suite. And it may be the same suite that you're recorded in, and I'll cover some of these in just a minute for both uh, solo and interview podcasts for both audio and video. You're going to go back and basically the way I see it is that you have a file where it may be two or three files if you're doing segments. And I look of, look at these as, as uh, I'll use the image as, look at them as a ribbon. It's just like a long tape. And as you're reviewing the episode, you may hear something where there may be an error or there may be something that you want to remove. So what you're going to do is you're going to trim that. And typically, it's like when you're cutting a ribbon, you're, you have one cut and then a second cut. And then basically, you're trimming out a section. Let's say, um, for example, uh, I'll give you an example. <coughs> there, I just coughed into the mic. If I were to go back and I wanted to remove that cough, I would find the point right before the cough I would trim that ribbon and right after the cough, I would trim the ribbon again and then I would snip out that section. And then what I would probably do, because once I snip out that section, I have like a one to two second gap, is I would take the right side of the ribbon and drag it over to the left so that you don't hear any gaps, you don't hear the cough. And that's basically what it is. You're cutting pieces of ribbon and then you're moving them and mashing them back together. That's basically it. It's like a tapestry. So you can do this on almost any editing suite, GarageBand, Audacity, 
uh, Adobe Audition. Very, very straightforward. And in fact, there are tutorials on this. I'm not going to get into the technical aspects on how to do this, but typically what you do is you just open up or upload your audio file. And again, this is why I recommend backup your files. You listen to them in playback. And then when you hear something that you want to snip out, you just create a cut and then another cut. And then you can uh, you can remove that or you can... Some some of these suites are more sophisticated where it's really easy. You could just highlight a race and it'll just trim it out and compress the segments for you. But basically, that's it. That's really editing in a nutshell. Editing can get more complicated. Let's say you're in a situation in which you have to interview someone and there's a mishap and you need to reschedule. And so maybe you've got part of an interview on one file and another part on another file, but you want them to to be basically one consistent, coherent conversation. That's where you may be doing some trimming and merging of two different files. So there's that. Editing also comes into play if you are doing things like intro and outro music or transition sounds. Now, if you listen to the early episodes of Moving Forward, I added a lot of those bells and whistles. I wanted it to sound like a professional radio show. During the later seasons, uh, starting with the 2019 season, I actually went the other way. Not only did I stop editing episodes because I moved to a solo podcast that was a lot shorter, I got rid of the music. I got rid of the sound effects just because I just didn't have time to do a lot of that. Consider that the more bells and whistles you add, the more time you're adding. And so I got rid of that and I found that it didn't actually impact my listenership. If this is any perspective or if this means anything to you, I actually gained more listeners because I was doing topical podcasts on areas that people were interested in, notably the Poshmark series, which continues to gain a lot of traction today. So a lot of those episodes people would tune into and I don't think I ever heard any criticisms of, well, there's no intro music here where there's no transition sounds. And I stopped editing a lot of those episodes. So I talk the way I normally talk. And when you talk in real life, sometimes you'll have a a skip, a beat, an um, an ah. I'm sometimes collecting my thoughts as I'm recording these episodes because I do these more on the fly than I used to. And so I don't edit as much anymore. This year, I've gone back a little bit to adding some of the bells and whistles. So I do have intro and outro music that I like. I do have some commercial spots for things like the books and things like that. And so I've gone back, but not nearly as edited as it used to be. In fact, the the content itself tends to be untouched. The only thing I will edit is that when I'm doing an interview podcast like I did last week, if there's any pre-interview conversation, so... For instance, I'm talking with Rich and are there any questions? And when I do the three-second pause before the interview starts, I will typically cut that part out and then have the intro music roll right into the interview itself. I'll also make editing points as appropriate. So we do. I do have a promo spot in that interview. And so I will make sure to insert the commercial in there and then have the uh, episode run to conclusion. But I do a whole lot less editing editing than I used to. And the reason why I say this is because I think most of you starting your podcast are going to fall into the trap of over-editing, not under-editing. That's going to be our nature is that you're going to be very self-conscious 
And so when you hear those first episodes, especially if you did your test episodes, your inclination is going to be, I'm going to edit this so that it sounds much better. In other words, I want to sound much more articulate, much more practiced and polished. I will tell you if I were doing this now, I would do far less editing and concentrate more on just getting better with each episode. And that's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Whether you do a solo podcast or even an interview podcast, I'm going to encourage you not to over-edit your episodes. Just let it be. Even if you have an awkward pause or an um or an uh, leave that in there as much as possible. Now, if you have a major thing, if you if you have like a coughing fit where there's a, a fire engine siren that runs for like 30 seconds or whatever, yes, of course, those are the types of things you probably want to edit out. And of course, if you're doing an interview podcast, consider the tone of the interview. If it's just a casual conversation back and forth, you don't need to do a whole lot of editing. But if it's a more formalized interview, you obviously want to present your guests in the best light possible. So you may want to do a little more editing. But I'm going to, again, caution you, don't over-edit. It, you're going to, it's easy to fall into a rabbit hole where you're going to be editing a half-hour episode for hours. And the more you do this, the more burned out you're going to get. Now, of course, you can also outsource There are podcasting services now available. There are assistants on Fiverr and Upwork that will do a lot of the post-production for you. But most of you launching a podcast probably don't have the budget to do that or the inclination or you're just doing this for fun or as a hobby or as an experiment. So if you want to keep those costs down, you're probably doing a lot of this yourself. So I recommend learn how to do the basics on editing. There are a lot of tutorials out there on this. I've covered just the high level. And I have actually a couple of uh, episodes and and articles on LinkedIn and in the blog that go a little more in depth into this. So learn the basics. It won't be that hard. It's actually a useful skill to have. And just so you know enough to be able to cut together an episode. Now, when it comes to things like music, uh, in terms of intro music, there are a couple ways you can go with that. You can outsource. You can find a musician to, to do the uh, music for you. Or if you want something, there are so many royalty-free options out there. The music that I've used for moving forward is basically from the library that I have on my Mac that's available for iMovie and GarageBand. And there's so many tracks out there that are available. Some of them are great. And a lot of the podcasts I listen to, even the ones that are big podcasts, a lot of them have just the royalty-free music that's available uh, that's included on your MacBook. So look at those options, especially if you're starting out. You don't have to spend a lot of money to get a fancy intro. But it, you know, if you have more of a budget to work with, you can you can obviously outsource that. You could do voiceovers in your intro or you could just have the music fade in. And those are all editing options. What I recommend you do, if you do a standard musical intro and outro, you know, you can pick a track. You can basically add what's called a fade in and a fade out if you want. I mean, there are many ways you can do this. I'm not going to tell you which style to use. Do some research. There are a lot of different options out there. Or if you don't have time for any of that, Just skip the music. Honestly, I had at least one or two seasons where I didn't have any music or sound effects, and it was fine. 
I didn't lose listeners or anything like that. At the end of the day, people aren't listening to your podcast because of the music or the sound effects. They're listening to it for the content. Really keep that in mind. So if you don't have time for that or if you find that way too overwhelming, then, then don't don't bother. Add it later if you want, especially as you grow your podcast. Um, all right. When it comes to editing, getting back to editing software, uh, GarageBand is great for audio. Audacity is great. I mean, those are two that I've already mentioned for recording solo podcasts. They're also great for editing. Uh, when it comes to video, I mostly use iMovie, which is on Mac. I think There are definitely PC alternatives that are out there, many of which are probably natively installed if you have Windows, uh, like Movie Maker. And basically what I do is I just uh, I create a movie file. I'll go through it. I'll trim it a little bit. In fact, the, the episode I did with Rich, very few edits in there. I think the, the beginning portion, the three-second silent pause right after I hit record, I did a little bit of editing with the break, and then I added the intro, outro, and the commercial spots. Now, I only did that because with Anchor, as I mentioned, uh, I can't do segments. Otherwise, I would have done it just with segments. With audio version of the podcast, I I pre-record any spots that I do and upload those to my Anchor library and then integrate them into the episodes as I'm prepping them for, for publication. So... There's so many editing options. And for those of you who are, again, who are Adobe files, Adobe Audition, I think, has all of that. I mean, Adobe really has a lot of great editing for audio and video. So if you already have that or you're familiar with that suite, you can naturally use that for your podcast. There are tons of options out there. So you can do your research. But I use basically GarageBand and I use iMovie for the video interviews. That's basically it. And so I prep the files. I typically will save everything into a folder. So I have a folder for each episode and I'll have two versions of the file. I have the raw file, what I call the raw file, which is just basically the uh, content. And then I will in GarageBand add the intro, the outro, and then just trim it a little bit. And then I create different segments if it's an audio episode And then when I upload it to Anchor, I can integrate in any of the commercial spots that I need to. So I basically have two parts to the episode. This episode, I actually have three because it's a longer episode. So act one, two, and three. And then in between, I have uh, commercial spots uh, for things like that. So I typically will save everything into one folder, both the raw file, which is just the unedited version of the episode, and then a finished version of the file or files, rather, that I will upload into my host service provider. Uh, for the video files, it's everything is just one file that I will upload onto Anchor. And so uh, I'll, I'll typically just have like a, a very simple intro credits and then outro credits that go over the intro and outro music and then the interview content. And any uh, commercials or spots, I'll have them already as part of the uh, edited file. All right, so in terms of editing, you have a lot of different options. Now, I will mention, as I did with the recording, Anchor does have a native editor. I do not recommend it. I've tried it even for just doing simple cuts within an episode. It's very slow. And I think it's just maybe a server capacity issue or what have you. It's a great concept. 
and their editing uh, tools look nice. It's got a nice kind of user interface. But when I've tried to even just trim out a little sound artifact, I have found that it's super slow. I don't know if you, some of you may have had a different experience, but that's been my experience. So I typically do all my recording and editing separately. And then I upload the episodes onto Anchor as my host service provider. I don't do any native recording and I don't do native editing. One thing Anchor does have, which I think is really cool, is that it has a library of different sounds and music. So again, I was talking about uh royalty-free music that you can use for your podcast. Anchor actually has an entire library. So I haven't explored it, but you may want to if you're going to use Anchor as your host service provider. Uh, There are many different options you can use. It also has a lot of different sound effects, a lot of bells and whistles. So you can uh, integrate those into your podcast. But generally speaking, I don't use Anchor as an editing suite, and I don't really use it as a recording one. I have tried, um, and... Maybe it'll get better over time, but for now, I just do everything separately. Uh, in terms of podcast artwork, so this is a, I'm going to conclude here. And again, this is just like a general overview of all the technical aspects. So you're going to need to create artwork for your podcast. I, I don't recommend leave it blank. Nowadays, I think you can release a podcast. Uh, if you launch it on Anchor without artwork, I think it's just like a, it just has a very generic looking Anchor logo and you don't want that. So what's cool is that Anchor does have, I think, uh, a suite, a very simple suite where you can create artwork for your podcast and it's got some templates you can use. Another that's great is Canva. I use Canva for so much and uh, you can either use the Instagram template, which is a square where you, I think it may even have a podcasting cover art um, logo uh, template that you can find on there. It's just very simple. And then you can you can use it. There's so many different ways you can go with the artwork. Consider your podcast. Consider what you'd like to have on there. A lot of people will use headshots. Some people will, will use logos or design one. Uh, obviously, the title where your website might be something you want to put on there. If you want something more professional and polished, you can obviously hire someone. But again, that's added cost, so consider your budget, your time. Uh, I actually had a, a friend of mine who's a freelance artist. She did the um, uh, current version of the logo, which I, I really love. And then I actually, on Canva, spruced it up for the holidays. So I have a holiday version of the logo that I sometimes use uh, around this time of year, which is just the same logo, but it's blue and it's got like snowflakes. And uh, I just did that on Canva. I just adjusted the color and added a... a a background effect, but Canva allows you to do so much. Uh, and for those of you who are familiar with the, uh, if you do use sophisticated tools like Photoshop or Illustrator, you can probably design your own podcast logo, but, uh, there's so many different options. And what's great again, is that, um, with anchor, you can actually switch out your podcast artwork if you need to. So I do that from time to time. I did that actually for the summer movie series. I use a a slightly altered logo for that. Uh, you can do that per episode if you want. There are many different options. And I think most host service providers give you that option. But just keep in mind, those files will count against any storage allowance you may have if you have one, um, if you're using a paid service. But um, So consider all of those things. But podcast artwork, mine hasn't really changed that much. I had a a really old version of the logo that I used for like the first season or two. And then uh, 
uh, I had a graphic designer, my friend, do the current version, and I've been really happy with it ever since. So a lot to cover today. So what did we cover today? We covered your tech. Now, again, I'm going to recommend start with all the things that we talked about in 405 to 409, the planning, the vetting, uh, before you dive into the technology. Uh, there are many ways you can go with the tech. Do your research. You can go very simple. You can go very sophisticated. I fall somewhere in between, trending more towards the simple. You can, uh, in terms of the equipment, you don't have to go crazy. I use a very simple USB mic. It wasn't that expensive. And then for solo casts, I use GarageBand. You can use Audacity. Both of those are free. There are a lot of other alternatives. For interview podcasts, mostly Skype and Zoom. And again, those are free. Uh, for Zoom, just keep in mind, you have a 40-minute time limit on the free version. Uh, Skype, I think, is still unlimited, as far as I can tell, in terms of one-on-one uh, -on -one video calls. Uh, so keep that in mind. Both Skype and Zoom have native recording options. Now, I think one wrinkle I do want to point out, Skype to phone calls. At the time that Skype released its native recorder, I don't think you could do you could record Skype to phone calls. That may have changed. I haven't checked it recently, and I haven't done a Skype to phone call in a long time. So when I did my one or two Skype to phone interviews, I had to use I used well first of all the native recorder wasn't available. Ecam, which was the third party plugin, did allow me to record that, so uh, I could still record it. But at the time of release. A couple of years ago, the native recorder on Skype did not allow Skype to phone recording. But if you're using Skype for your uh, interview podcast, for the most part, you're doing Skype to Skype. This should not pop up as an issue. Uh, I only did one or two out of 200 plus interviews, one or two interviews over the phone. And those were just really specific circumstances. For the most of you, you're just going to be doing Skype to Skype or Zoom to Zoom. You're fine there. Both of those have great native recording options. In terms of editing, again, uh, keep it simple. I like GarageBand for Mac. Audacity is great if you have a PC. For those of you who are Adobe files, Adobe has some great options, and there are other options. I generally don't use Anchor for recording or editing. I, I just don't find it that uh, versatile. And I find it pretty slow. For video interviews, I usually just use a simple video editor like iMovie, which is great. And then uh, remember your host service provider. If you're on Anchor, you don't have to worry about storage limits or storage math per month. Uh, if you're on a paid service, do understand what you get with that. Some will give you a storage allowance, which will limit the amount you can upload per month. Others will give you unlimited storage. Now, when I say storage allowance, I also want to be clear. So when I was on Libsyn and I could upload maybe 50 megabytes or 100 megabytes, depending on what the plan was, that meant that month I could only upload that amount of new episodes. The legacy episodes were still there. It's not like that they disappeared or anything like that. This was only for adding new content. And to that, something that I alluded to earlier in the episode, when it comes to storage math, I'm going to give you a very easy rule of thumb. If you are on a storage plan that gives you an allowance, say, I'll give you an example. Let's say you get 100 megabytes a month. I'm just use that as a round number. 
then that basically means you have an allotment of 100 new minutes that you can upload. So what I do is I like to keep the math simple, usually a one megabyte to one minute ratio. And the easiest way to do that is to export your episodes. Let's say you're doing it on GarageBand or Audacity. Uh, Use an export setting uh, and you can choose the file size, 128 kilobytes per second or KBPS. That's kind of a standard that's a a good sound quality that'll keep the file size about one megabyte to one minute. Anything above that, the file size is going to get bigger. So if you have a little bit left over where if it's a special episode and maybe it's, you've got a lot of music or sound effects, you may want to up the um, sound quality. You can increase the kilobytes per second. I'll give you a, also a, a cool space saving hack. Let's say you have a little bit of space left. Maybe your file size is a little bit bigger. You can actually lower the kilobytes per second. So on GarageBand, you could actually export it at 96 kilobytes per second. If you use iTunes or Apple, they give you actually, I think, a range. You could do 112. You could do 96. I think you can even go as low as 64. I recommend don't go any lower than 96, especially if you're not using a great mic because that will impact the sound quality. But if you keep it within that 112, 128 range, you should be in pretty good shape in terms of a decent quality sound file. And that will keep the math pretty simple. Again, this is only if you have an allotment, an allowance, a storage queue for new episodes every month. So let's go back to our example. 100 megabytes per month is, let's say, the plan that I have. That means I can upload 100 minutes. That would translate roughly to about four or five episodes if they're 20, 25 minutes each. You can do the math. If you've got short episodes, then you could batch upload quite a few at a time. So this is what I used to do back when I was on Libsyn. Now that I'm on Anchor and I have uh, free hosting, I don't really think about that. But do keep that in mind as you're looking at uh, hosting plans and storage queues and things like that. As with anything, do your research. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take my recommendations for it. Research the pros and cons. Research your different options. There's so many of them out there. All right, we've covered a lot today. This is a long episode, but I wanted to give you a... 10,000 foot view and a little bit of a detailed view on the tech that goes into launching a podcast. I'm going to refer back to episodes from the 2019 miniseries, which I'll have linked in the write-up. So that goes into some more details if you want a little bit more, but there are so many great tutorials and resources out there on the interweb. So feel free to explore on your own. The write-up will be at bemovingforward.com next week. We're going to wrap up the podcasting mini series. So I'll talk a little bit more about podcasting etiquette, especially when it comes to interviews. And then uh, we will wrap up the series. All right. I hope you have a great week and a great weekend. And I'll be back next week. You can find the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. The views expressed by any featured guests are not necessarily those of the host, the program, or affiliates. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim. BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.